0: give you a little bit of update, and then I'll introduce our speaker, and I'm going to look for my notes while I do that. Um, last week, Tim, last week, last month, um, Tim Kittredge led us, and one of the things he updated us on was an organization that he has gotten involved with called Bible Optic, and I was intrigued because as he described it to me, it sounded like a cross between Bill Floyd and Mike Miller and just men that I, I, I so miss who walk in the Bible like most of us walk down the street. And so I went and looked at BibleOptics.org, saw the video and I said, oh, this guy looks like sort of a Jedi of the, uh, of the Bible world. And I went with Tim last week. And you know how often you see a website, it's you know only the very perfect moments and blah, blah, blah. And then you go and your experience is not what you thought it would be. Well, this was not that way. This was right exactly what I hoped at exactly the right time for me to experience it. And so if you are interested, it is definitely Bible-based um, men's breakfast, but there's no food. So men's gathering. And the neat thing is, if you can't go in person to Alpharetta on on every Tuesday morning, you can just go online. The Facebook page streams it live. And um, he just finished a series on eternal security. Can you ever be unsaved? And is starting something on the unforgivable. So it is real theoretical, sorry, theological depth, but at the same time, his fluency with the Bible and bring you bring your Bible, you're going to get some good experience jumping through the Bible. He asked people there to read too, um, but it was very, very engaging. So I want to thank Tim for leading us last week and, you know, for putting a little extra salt in um, my diet this last month. Um, so with no further ado, we got food going in the room. Thank you, Steve. And uh, we've got five, eight. Seven or eight people here in the room. Um, I'm going to mask up here in just a minute, but I want to introduce our. Speaker. So today, this month, actually, we're focused on missions and serving side by side. And so Marion was kind enough to hook us up with. Uh, I said, I, "Can we have a missionary come and speak?" Except by come and speak, I mean Zoom. And um, she said, "Sure, she would arrange that." And so uh, Scott comes to us from um, as the. I'm going to tell you this exactly right. Minister for Advancement and Church Stewardship at Murphy Harps Children's. Now, that's over in Cedartown, which is near Rome, for those of you who don't know where Cedartown is. I I mean Rome, Georgia, just to be clear. Um, He has been bringing awareness to the needs of at-risk youth across North Georgia and saving uh, Murphy Harps Children for six years. Um, He is an ordained minister. received his Master's of Divinity from Gordon Cornwell Theological Seminary and he is a graduate of King University. Scott and his wife, Renee, live in Rome and have five daughters. Now, my daughters are either married or, you know, uh, of, of marrying age. So I'm just asking dad to dad here, are your daughter, uh, that sounds so nice. Yeah,
1: yeah we got, I've got one, one is, one is married one and is married. Uh, they're, they're, they're all working on it, I guess, the rest of them. And I got one, my first grandchild on the way um and uh so yeah good 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 times uh still have one in the house um, awesome
0: well congratulations on raising <laughs> five daughters in today's society it is a non-trivial <laughs> non-trivial activity um i know you had asked uh for me to have a video ready for you. i'm gonna probably need 30 seconds notice i didn't know if you want to do that at the beginning or if um, i'll do it here just
1: shortly and not too yeah not too long from now, maybe just a couple of minutes.
0: Well, super. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you. And okay. uh, thank you again for your willingness to, to come speak to us. And uh, let me know when you want me to do the.
1: Okay, great. Thank you, Eric. And good morning, uh, gentlemen. It's great to, to be with you all uh, here. And uh, let me just say, on behalf of, of Murphy Harps Children's Centers, um, uh, thank you um, for what you all do uh, to support um, and care for the youth, the hurting youth that we serve at Murphy Harps. Uh, Roswell, United Methodist, has been a, um, a, a long-time friend uh, and partner uh, in this mission uh, to serve hurting youth, and um, I can't express enough how much um, your friendship means uh, really to not just our staff, but particularly to the kids um, that we're working with. Um, so it's good to be with you and to share a little bit with you about what the Lord is doing in the lives of uh, these kids. Um, and also a little bit about um, uh, my own story as it uh, relates to um, the greater story of, of the Lord's work in the lives of, of, of the uh, at Murphy hearts. And um, How many of you have actually been to Murphy Harps or are familiar with our work and mission? Awesome. I know the uh, Christian Under Construction class has been there. Uh, Some of you may be a part of that class. Uh, I may have met uh, one or two of you before years ago. Um, I've been with Murphy Harps for six years, and um, that means a lot uh, when our partners are on our campus and uh are visible to the kids that we work with um, those of you who are familiar with our work will will um, um, well, will know we've been uh, working with kids for almost 100 years now, it began uh, a century ago during uh, another, a previous pandemic. Um, Ethel Harps was a home missioner and uh, working, bringing education to that poor milling village up in northwest uh, corner of Georgia. And uh, when the tuberculosis influenza outbreak decimated families uh, and it became an orphanage to serve youth, Um, at the support of uh, the churches uh, in North Georgia, uh, particularly with the work of United Methodist Women. Um, But but through the years, things have changed and we now serve. uh, We're not an orphanage, but we are working with some of the most vulnerable young people um, uh, across the state of Georgia. Uh, These are kids who come to us uh, from hard places. Uh, Their stories are um just terrible histories, stories of, of pain, abuse, neglect, uh, abandonment um, uh, they they've suffered from the growing opioid epidemic um, and um, they, they come to us with significant traumas, uh, emotional and behavioral disorders that, that uh, need um Uh, tending to. Um, And so Murphy Harp's 160 acre campus is a beautiful space, a Christian loving environment where these kids, uh, 75 on our campus, Uh, can find healing and hope. Uh, We've got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of pieces uh, in that mission. Um, We have the kids in residence on our campus who are receiving intensive therapy. We have educational programming, uh, recreational programming. Uh, Our equine center, our horses are probably our our most uh, sophisticated therapist on campus. Uh, As a herding child will whisper in the ear of a horse, Something that it could not safely tell an adult, and and so bonding and, it, and positive life experiences for our kids are often with the, uh, within our animal assisted therapy program. Um, so we've got a lot of stuff going on on campus. We also recruit foster families. We have about sixty kids in family homes uh, around Northwest Georgia, um, serving kids. And then we've got we also do community based work um, partnering with churches within community communities, educators in, in local schools, elementary and middle schools, high schools to help do preventative work. Uh, provide therapy, counseling, training, how to deal with children who come from hard places uh, and help them heal. Um, so uh, a lot going on on our campus. It is a beautiful story. Um, and, and we could not do it without uh, the partnership uh, of the churches. And so thank you for taking the, the month of March to pray, uh, to be committed to, um, uh, to pray for our kids and our staff. It's been a tough year for all of us in um, you know, dealing with a toxic political, social environment in some ways, uh, along with the, the health care, uh, you know, scare. Uh, but our children come to us already with trauma. They come to us before, apart from a pandemic, already hurting. And so it has been a doubly difficult year uh, for Murphy Harpst and uh, to connect with churches. Uh, it's been very difficult. So, um, so thank you for this invitation, this is awesome. Um, and uh, appreciate the fact that we got folks out there uh, still working working with the digital tools so that we can connect well uh, in this time of year. Um, what I'd like to do, um, and, um, and hopefully at the end of this, we may have some time for some questions if you have questions about Murphy Harps, but uh, I'd like to read a passage of scripture for our morning, kind of devotional, our thinking, um, and, uh, and share some stuff from that, that passage. And so I'm going to read from Luke's gospel, chapter 9, Luke chapter 9. And just to give you, uh, I'm going to read verses 46 to 48. And just as a little bit of a context, Jesus is moving from Galilee now on to Jerusalem. It's a pivotal moment in his ministry and in Luke's gospel. Um, And so he is teaching. um, There's a a number of uh, instructions that happen at this point as he's teaching the disciples. As Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, we know what awaits him there. Um, And so the context, Jesus has just taken Peter, James, and John up the mountain uh, where he's revealed um, to these three uh, his glory. Um, and, uh, and then there's an event um, uh, of a, a young man, a boy, um, a troubled child um, uh, who is seized by uh, an evil spirit um, and the inability of the disciples to cast out this spirit, uh, sort of a failed uh, moment of ministry, um, and uh, Jesus instructing about Uh, his ministry and what awaits him. So that's a little bit of a uh, a context, historical literary context. But here's the passage, verse 46. An argument arose among them, that is the disciples, as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Um, How about I pray for us? Consider these. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the fellowship uh, of men, uh, of the brotherhood in the body of Christ. Thank you for uh, bringing our lives together uh, this morning. Uh, we pray that uh, our, our our thoughts, our discussions would, um, would be glorifying to you and that we would profit from it and uh, we would grow in grace and we give you thanks for your son in whose name we pray. Well, um, this is a passage that has a lot to say about greatness and um, and of course, as Americans, uh, we, we think a good bit about greatness, particularly of the last uh, several years. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, we're not going to get political, but we will be biblical this morning, uh, thinking about this theme, um, an important one. And um, so I want us to kind of think of, through a few questions uh, that arise from the passage uh, and then um, discuss that together. And then I want to tell you a story. Uh, personal story, and then we'll slide out of here and go on to love our wives, our neighbor, and do the good work the Lord's given us to do today, um, but some of my, my questions here, and I don't know how you want to facilitate this. Maybe we can discuss it just kind of openly this way, or if we want to break out, you know, um, we can do that, but um, just to, to the first question would be, uh, how uh, does the surrounding culture, uh, society, not thinking about the church here, but I'm thinking about just all surrounding culture today, how does it think about greatness? How does culture measure greatness? Um, so w- what are some of your thoughts there? What would be some high points, first things? What do you think about in terms of greatness? I don't know, if y'all break out h- how y'all would do it in this forum, but um, just a couple of minutes on on that first question.
0: So what I think we'll try and do is if you if you'd like to respond to Scott in particular instead of breaking into small groups, which we tend to do at the end, okay. um, we you know raise your hand, there's an electronic way to do that, or just jump right in and if you hear somebody talking, you might want to wait and um, we've gotten all so much better at this um, a year ago when we were first starting to do this over Zoom, we were all trying to figure out well, how do I unmute if someone mutes me. And right. so what, what, I, you know, raise, raise your hand here, raise your hand electronically. But, you know, it's interesting to me that greatness today, you know, has, as I think changed as it used to be somebody you knew when I was hmm. growing up and now it's somebody you. Huh. Well put their popularity versus. Yeah. And it's not somebody necessarily that you have a relationship with. It's someone you know of. Hmm. And so I think to me, that's something trying to recover that. If you think somebody's great, well, then how are you spending your time getting to know, as opposed to learning about what they're doing?
1: Right, two different things. Good, good point. Yep. Anybody else? Kind of our culture's thought, the mindset uh, approach of our culture to measure greatness. Anything else? Too early in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) I think you know, thinking about uh, just in terms of someone who is the best, um, you know, most accomplished, physically, mentally. You know, um, uh, and, and just, you know, morally, you know, someone who's great, who, who may um, uh, have the most influence, think about popularity, you know, um, somebody who might be the strongest, um, most accomplished or achieved, most successful Um uh, that type thing. Uh, our, our culture puts a, a high value on that popularity and that influence and that strength, pays it um, well and uh, praises it. Um, uh, so uh, you, you just kind of ponder that a little bit. I think it, it's important to see the kind of acknowledge the air we breathe, the environment that we're in, right, uh, around us.
0: Yes, they are air- you know, I think what has changed for me, at least, is how do you respond to greatness? What does it cause you that you mm. would otherwise, you know, would otherwise do? Um, it's not just recognizing that you might continue emulate them. What, what what does it cause you to do might be a measure of how we, you know, really mm. do internalize greatness. Right,
1: right. Uh, maybe if I feel good, you <laughs> if I feel great, maybe that person, you know, is great because of how it makes me feel um, rather than maybe if it's actually good for me. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. I so I wanted to add in having $5. dollars We all have hmm, this. Right. So cover and the right. Good stuff. Well, let, let, let me move to the second question here. Uh, kind of thinking about the broader culture and in, in the way it measures greatness. Uh, how do the disciples here in the passage uh, in the context of, of this passage, how do they think about or measure greatness, uh, their own greatness or the greatness uh, of others? Um, it may be a little bit more, you know, having to think and dig. Uh, if you know a little bit of the literary context or the historical Greco-Roman Jewish culture, um, which is a shame and honor culture, um, you know, you kind of dig in there. But how did, how did these disciples here? How are they thinking of themselves or others when it comes to greatness? That may be the more difficult question <laughs> <laughs> that they're arguing here, obviously, and Jesus is, knows their heart, knows what's going on. Uh, maybe harder for us to probe it and get it out there, but um, he knows that they are arguing over which one's the greatest, and it really is quite, at least in one set level, when we look at this as humorous. Uh, this is not the only time this comes up in the Gospels. You'll remember remember even James and John have their mother go and try to, you know, get Jesus to make one of them, you know, sit at the right hand at one occasion, getting mommy to help them out uh, to advance in their uh, ministry, in their career. Uh, and then even at the uh, at the Last Supper, you'll remember Jesus is giving the, the emblems of, of his death. And, and yet at that hour, they're discussing this issue of greatness. So uh, they're really caught up with themselves and measuring themselves against others and uh, ambition um and so uh, with, in a shame and honor culture um if you don't succeed if you aren't great morally in terms of the law right the more you advance there the more honor you bring to your family and family was huge um and community uh if you don't if you fail uh, you bring shame um and and so there's whole um issue of ambition um, and uh, there's a kingdom that's coming and Jesus is that one who's coming to set things right and reestablish a kingdom and, and so they have their, they're ambitious, and they don't want to fail. Um, and they're arguing. Um, I'll say that you know, there's an exposure here pride you know, this uh, Icarus complex, uh, status anxiety um, that's eating up these men, and you kind of look at the passage, the context, What what's going on? You know, you had three guys that were singled out by Jesus that went up and, you know, were privileged to see the glory of Christ on the mountain. Uh, others didn't get to go. Is there some envy, jealousy there? There was a failed ministry experience with this child um, um, you know, th- there's all kinds of things, and there's this debate within themselves, competition, um, fear of failure. A lot of things, some ugly things are brought out, right, um, in the way we think about ourselves. Um, so you know, it's worth pondering the disciples uh, in that way. Uh, now, in the passage, who does Jesus single out as great? What is Jesus pointing to as he's measuring greatness to these to these boys <laughs> who are stricken with uh, this sort of uh, ambition uh, and uh, status anxiety, um, what what is Jesus pointing
2: out in terms of greatness? Well, he says, whoever is least among you is the, right. Great. Right. It's, it's the opposite of what they're thinking great is. He's saying least among you and right. the children.
1: Right.
0: Yep. Steve? I think just turned um, society's idea about what's great on its head at the Last Supper when he washing everybody's feet
2: back with where you're well forgive the expression but um you know i don't care where you got your
3: clothes or how much money you got in your money bag this is what it's all about right everything you value is not yeah. so important
1: yeah and you can see how this passage how that it really complements that this, this is a teaching that happens again and again and again in different ways with different object lessons um we need it again and again and again uh, yeah, honestly, um, and uh, because the same thing that troubles the disciples troubles us, you know, the environment, the culture around us affects us. Um, and Jesus is here, kind of <laughs> um, uh, interjecting, um, turning the world on its head, turning these ideas and thoughts on its head. And the object lesson here is this child. Um, and, and he brings the child forward, actually not just forward, but puts the child at his side. That's a powerful word here. He sides with the child. Um, these men might be thinking about who's on the right hand, who's on the left hand, but Jesus is bringing a child to his right hand side, right? It is a, uh, an image that is very affecting to these men, um, but it's a child. The, and if you know something about that culture, I mean, this is powerless. This is, this is not strength. This is not accomplishment and achievement. Um, this is not, you know, children needed to be out of the way. Right. And, um, and so uh, and we tend to focus a lot on kids in our culture. That wasn't so much the case in the ancient world. Um, and, uh, but so Jesus deliberately brings this child. And I, and I believe that the, the context mean, would indicate is probably that child in the previous text. Um, I mean, absolutely broken. Um, and it's this particular child, uh, perhaps, that Jesus has at his side. And uh, so he points out a whole different standard about it. Jesus is on his knee. He's going down, right, on his knee in service to this child, bringing the child to his side. So, um, so and, and let me kind of now, final question. Um, how does Jesus himself demonstrate and redefine greatness in the world? I know it's a similar question, but take it a little further. How is Jesus, what does he do? How is he redefining and demonstrating greatness himself, he could point to the child here and their service to the child, um, thinking less of themselves. <laughs> um, but,
0: but what does Jesus actually do? Eric? I mean, he flips the pecking order, right? We, we, we tend to put ourselves and find out where am I in the pecking order? Am mm-hmm. I sitting? Where am I in the, the, the trumpet section? Um, right. And, and what I think Jesus does an amazing job of is showing how the pecking order is often ranked the wrong way, in one way, shape, or form. And right. he makes us think about what matters, not just here, but what matters beyond what's just here. Maybe what's just to give us that focus so we can think. Right. It. right. Exactly.
1: Anything else? I mean, Jesus is here Um, state that, that what is central to Luke's gospel, um, central to our lives, is Jesus himself, who he is and what he does. Um, here is the Lord of all. If we want to talk about greatness, we can start with this one. <laughs> um he is the, the, the eternal son of God. Um, he, he spoke and all creation came into existence. Here he is in our flesh. He's come for our redemption. Um, we think of greatness and you think of all that God is in his essence, in his being. You can't, you can't think of that greatness. You can't even comprehend it. And yet here he is having stooped into our frame. He's come down into the humiliation of our fallen condition in our helpless estate, right? And he's come for us. I mean, at the end of the day, we are all broken, sinful, powerless children, right? Um, These men aren't, you know, it was said earlier, you know, uh, uh, good things, you know, bad things happen to good people. You know, they're not as good as he thought they are. I mean, yeah, we're not as good as we think we are. We're not nearly as great as we like to believe that we are. Um, you know, Jesus comes, comes down, his humility, his humiliation. This is what he does. When God wants to manifest his glory, when you want to see and know him and his greatness, look to a cross. I mean, that's where he reveals him. his greatness, glory, the magnitude of his ways for us to side with us in our need. And so, if you want to put the spotlight on greatness and the story, the measure, the standard, it is this: this one, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who goes this way to Jerusalem to the cross. These these boys, these men, are following him, and they're not prepared of the way he's about to go. But they need to be prepared to walk the valley of humiliation, the valley of service, of looking to serve others. We were created for that. We were created to be sacrificers and servers, and to look not to self but to look to others. And Jesus is coming to um, to restore what was broken, and uh, and so you know when we think about greatness, that's the story of, of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, he really Luke, his gospel is really for the proud to 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 break proud proudful hearts uh, to bring us down to size and to show us the the, the glory of Jesus Christ and the goodness of God to those in need, Um, like this child, uh, like us as men. You know, we want to go out, you know, and we want to think of ourselves as all we're going to accomplish and do. Uh, But in many ways, we've got to go out remembering. That we're children, remembering that we're cared for by a loving God, a, a faithful Christ um, who's pleased to side with us. Um, let me let me share with you a story. Um, this passage has become a, um, um, a more important passage in my life than it was uh, years ago when ministry preached from it before. Um, I served in pastoral ministry and was a church planter in Boone, North Carolina uh, for about 25 years. Um, and um, I having planted the church uh, uh, in the high country, um, I needed to step out. I was dealing personally with um, burnout um, in in a place where, you know, the church had been organized, and I just knew I could not go another day. Um, I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, Depression, anxiety, anxiety, Really struggling with a little bit of this status anxiety, uh, feeling, you know, um, kind of measuring up my, my ministry, where to go from here. Um, and uh, maybe it was serving five dollars. I don't know. But, but I was in a moment and I, and I knew that I couldn't go, but I didn't know what to do. And um, so I met with the leadership of the church and they, they blessed me and they gave me a year severance. Amazing. And said, just go do what you need to do walk with the Lord, love your family. And, um, we're praying for you. It was, it was, uh, and so we, we moved back to Rome, my hometown. And so it was a tough move, a hard move. Wasn't that easy. Um, and, uh, while I was here, I was wanting to get busy doing something, you know, after the first month and, um, and, uh, I was talking to a friend in town and, uh, I had done some work with a, uh, an orphanage up in the mountains of Carolina, assisting them, Um, and, uh, and a friend said, do you know about Murphy Harps? And, uh, and and he said, his wife worked there. He said, you ought to go check out. There's probably some stuff you could do down there. So I went down to Murphy Harps and sort of volunteered and began working with the kids uh, on the cottage on campus. And I, and I did not realize what type of kids they were working with, um, how troubled they were. When I got there, I went through some training and began working with them on the cottages. And, um, you know, I thought doing a little youth ministry would be like, make it easy for the guy (laughs) for a little while while I figure out, you know, um, you know, where to go Lord from here. Um, and really, I found myself, um, by God's goodness, kindness, uh, on that campus, in the presence of these children, I found myself like being thrown into the midst of a passage like this, um, being presented with a child, and uh, being helped and healed by the Lord um, uh, from my own <laughs> status, anxiety, and really seeing the wonderful, uh, the kindness of God uh, for me. But um, but this, when I started, there was this young man um, who came to campus the, the second week I was there, um, and and I had, this was the significant moment in my life, and, and this young man had been um, abused um, in just unthinkable ways. Uh, he arrived, he was 13, arrived on our campus uh, from the police, they brought him there, Um, and that first week he was there, I'd never seen a child more, um, troubled, um, or out of control. I thought there's nothing can be done for this child. This, this is a lost cause. Um, and, uh, it, it was troubling. We had staff ready to quit. Um, this child was, um, You know, if you haven't had your breakfast, forgive me on this one. But he, he, that week when he landed, he started collecting in these half pint milk cartons. He started collecting his fecal matter, and and he would throw it out his door of his room at staff. And here I am after years of ministry. um, This isn't the kind of environment that I need, that I want. Um, In some ways, feel like it was beneath me. What am I doing here? Um, you know, Lord, why, how did I get to this point? (laughs) Um, kind of pity party, feeling bad for me. And that's how, that's how (laughs) messed up I was. Um, but, uh, I couldn't get my head around this young man. And I was about, I was going to quit. I'm like, okay, I can't do this. Um, and I was speaking with one of our therapists, uh, and, and she said, Scott, I need to share with you a little bit more about Jason's story. And he said, you, you don't understand what was happening to him as a young boy. He was being exploited uh, and she went on to explain kind of the tra- the, the, the tragic story. And she said, he, he learned a survival tool as a young boy. He discovered that if he soiled his room that they wouldn't hurt him. They wouldn't come in and hurt him. Um, he, he, what's repulsive to us was a refuge to this young man. Um, he, he was endeavoring to protect himself. He, he landed with us. We were just other adults. We were other people who could potentially hurt him. He was doing what he knew behaviorally to do to survive. And, and I heard her tell his story and I just wept. I, I, I could, I've never seen or heard of such brokenness. Um, and she, she encouraged me to persist and stay. And, and I did and had the privilege of over the next six months working with Jason and watching this young man heal and recover. And learned for the first time that everybody is not going to hurt him. And um, within that six months, Jason became the student of the month on our campus academy. By the year's end from his time with us, he was succeeding so well um, uh, interacting with everybody. He wanted to play football and we enrolled him into middle school uh, there in Cedartown. And so he was attending public school, something he could not do before. Uh, and he was attending public school. He was passing all his grades and he was playing middle school football. And he ended up a few months later becoming fo- fostered by a family who then ended up adopting him. Um, he is doing well and is going to graduate from high school. Um, and, you know, it, it's a story, just unbelievable story. Of transformation. Uh, it, without Murphy Harps, this kid would have been on a street or medicated for the rest of his life or uh, dead. Um, uh, there would have been no hope. He would have been a lost cause. Um, but for the Lord's mission, the ministry, the loving caregivers there on our campus, and, and foster parents, um, this child uh, is flourishing. And, um, and it was in that moment, watching the Lord side with the brokenness uh, of this young man, uh, that the Lord broke my heart, and he showed me his own glory and grace. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of burnout, as I didn't see it before, was, um, it, was it was bound up with pride. Uh, my own sense of uh, accomplishment and performance, and uh, and it was creating a lot of anxiety and pressure um, that I could not live up to, um, and to see the love and know more the love of Jesus Christ um, is freeing. Um, you know, there's that other passage where Jesus says in Mark, I think it's Mark 10, uh, with children, um, there's the hindrance of kids. He said, suffer them not, right? Um, he said, unless you can become like one of these, you can't enter the kingdom, right? Um, you know, how does, how does a child enter the kingdom? He gets carried. <laughs> and we have the kind of God who carries us, who carried the burdens of our sin, and who carries us in our life, all of it. He will vanquish the grave for us in the last day. So um, that's good news. And, um, that's the work of Murphy Harps. Now, all our kids don't come to us that way. I've not seen one like Jason. Um, and, um, and, but it was an important moment for me. And, uh, I think just tells a little bit about the kind of, um, quality work, uh, that we're doing there. And, uh, so thank you for your prayers and your involvement. Um, I know we're probably out of time. I don't, uh, I didn't wind my watch, so it, it stopped earlier. Um, it was too early this morning. I forgot, but at any rate, um, I'm glad to take questions or show the video. Um, you know, have further discussion about this uh, with
0: y'all. Well, Scott, I appreciate you remembering to pray this morning. And all the technology crazy goings on, I forgot to open us with prayer. We used to have a tradition of the food would be laid out in a buffet, and we would ding, 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 and that would remind me to start with prayer. So thank you for catching that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the second time recently that I have done that. This must be a senior moment thing for me. Um, you know, I, I will try and show the video and then I'd like us to go to breakout sessions for about 10 minutes, give men sure. the chance to catch up a little bit and talk about this conversation of, uh, of, of greatness, who, who in their lives has made yeah. a great impact on yeah. them. And then we'll come back together And uh, Chris will update us on mission activities. And if if you could hang around for the whole time, we'll ask you to close us in in, in prayer. Absolutely. Love to be. All right. So I am going to attempt to um, find your email. And I'll apologize for having not sought that out earlier. But um, I, I am notorious for trying to do one too many things in the morning and failed to catch up your, uh, your email. So I'm gonna look for that real quick. just
1: copied it, I could have put it in the chat. They can put the, I'll put those questions in there in case y'all wanna look at them again. I don't know. Well,
0: that would be great. That will help them in the breakouts.
1: They're the questions. I just put them in the chat.
0: One more second. I'm having a hard time finding you, Scott. I'm-
1: okay, um, here you go. Uh, I will send it.
0: Here we go, I got it.
1: Okay.
0: you think I'd never used Zoom before which is not at all the case. But every once in a while, hopefully everybody can hear the sound of
3: Murphy Hearts has helped me to see what my future could be. I would say my future, I feel like it's gonna be like the best of my life.
2: They let me know that I have potential and that once I once I put my mind to it, I can do anything. That I'm not the
1: only one going through something, that everybody has a story.
2: We are working with underserved and at-risk kids who come to us for safety. They come to us to to realize that their history doesn't have to be a part of their future. This is about taking children that have really um, been neglected, been abused,
0: and turning their lives around.
3: Everyone here really works to try to help the child to be
2: successful. One of the most unique things about Murphy Harps, I believe, are the opportunities that we have to provide those childhood milestones in their lives. The first opportunities for them and a lot of those firsts are things that we all take for granted. I got my driver's license. I want to graduate college.
3: I want to be an interfaith chaplain. I want to set my goals for adoption. (coughs) Since I've moved from Murphy Harps,
2: I've graduated high school early. For the future, I plan to go to college and get a degree in communications. What we want people to understand is that is that Murphy Harps is literally saving these children's lives. Uh, The work they do is is amazing and transformative and you have to see it to believe.
3: It's a great place to work. It's a great place for kids to come learn, build, and grow. It's like a family here. The
2: horses teach you things. They teach you how to be patient. They teach you how to kind of evaluate and and think outside yourself of of how other people feel when you approach them a certain way. Working with the horses is fun, Um, especially when I get to help teach lessons to the other kids. There's a memory every single day here. The comments
0: that they make about, you know, I have skills now that I think I can use to cope with some difficulties in my life.
2: Our volunteers are invaluable. They do everything from high-end construction on campus to landscaping and even hosting birthday parties for our children. We could not do this life-changing work without you. We're so grateful for all the time and the energy and the resources that our partners, our donors, and our volunteers give to making a difference in the lives of these children.
1: Thanks for playing that, Eric.
0: Absolutely, what a beautiful facility.
1: It is, yeah. I'd love to you know, have any of you, all of you come and uh, visit, take you on a tour, you know, give you lunch and show you firsthand what's going on. Um, and then I know some of those who've been there um, will tell you a little bit about the beauty of the campus. Um, that's important that environment for these kids as you can think about where they're coming from, um, you know, the ugly environments, you know, in terms of the way they've been treated and to come into a beautiful space like that and have those opportunities really is life-changing.
0: And they live there on campus while they're there?
1: We have 75 on our campus that are there, um, 75 beds. Um, We're not at capacity right now due to the pandemic, but um, 60 of them are ages 13 up to about 16 and then 15 are older teens in a transitional living program where we're helping them get you know technical college you know um, you know skill or to, to get on you know with jobs and um, you know have mentorship help them learn how to keep a bank account, get them ready for independent living and then we've got the six about sixty in foster family home so you know, about 125 kids
0: you know, at, at, a, at a, you know, any given moment. That's amazing. I'm going to try and create the breakout rooms here. And sure. um, I tend to make a mess of this every time I do it. So give me two seconds. Sure. And I'm going to put about four or five guys in a room and give you a chance to catch up with each other, talk about prayer concerns and celebration. And, um, you know, what does greatness mean? And, you know, how, how did someone who you consider great impact your life? I think those stories are universal, and I appreciate so much how you, um, you know, really uh, 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 were able to, you know, relate that to what's going on in in, 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 in the Bible in a way that, you know, 2,000 years later still, uh, still makes relevance, you know, in the life of a child every day. Let's see if this works. Open all rooms. Okay. We're in this room. And they're all in their rooms. Holy moly. Kevin, thank you for being here. Kevin's speaking next month. So, uh, he, you know, this is what the... Room. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for breakfast. I hope your car healed itself while you're yeah, while you're but, feeding uh, us. You know, I'm just grateful that they think about how you transition from one kind of you know, ecosystem. Now, everybody here probably is Ellen. Pardon? Anyway, she was a I think, of, the, I'm going to call it the orphanage, for lack of a better word, that's in Cater. And when my dad went to the area in Decatur, it was right across the street. I I never realized how close I was. The method of instrument that I went in my life is right across the street. other celebration. I'm hoping we'll have as more comfortable. They're immunizing their staff. That's my fault by the way. Really? Here in the room. I learned last time that you know Jay has golden thank you. The three and a half hours will show up for the turbo. Yeah. And Barney, sixty-five years plus. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a good start. In person. Well, I'm gonna bring all the breakout rooms back together and what's going on in all the rooms. Thank you, Mitchell. Well, I um I am excited. I thought, you know, I uh, uh, she's speaking in Chapel Roswell on Sunday. And uh, she's saying, I'm trying not to be She does a great job, but that doesn't mean I can't be nervous for her. She does. She stayed with us. She stayed with us over the weekend as, as it was Georgia Tech's spring break, winter break. And um, it was just nice to really be able to catch up with her. Um, she's at this amazing crossroads, our world, and where she's headed. And so uh, every time I'm reminded of um, how much more there is than what we have. In, our little family, Um, that Subaru commercial, you know, really resonates with, it really does, really does. Well, welcome back everybody. I see we lost a few people in the teleportation system. I hope no one's permanently suspended in the internet. Um, Well, we had some interesting celebrations in the room here, Uh, people getting their COVID shots, more people planning to do things with their Sunday school class in in person. And so it's really just nice to see uh, what what is going on in, in a positive way a year ago I think this was the first class we did over zoom I don't remember if it was March or April but I think it might have been March um so I I will pull pull from uh room one um Joe Griffin will you share a little bit about uh, what you guys talked about
3: oh uh, we talked a little bit about the Murphy uh, Harps and uh, what's going on there as well as uh Some more things about what leadership means. And, you know, it's uh, Mark, Mark Kramer was talking about what, uh, what it means in the Bible and how this uh, greatness thing comes about and uh, why, uh, you know, how things went forward uh, for the disciples after they learned that maybe they weren't so great after all, you know, and how they went on to become bigger than probably what they might've been before.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing. How about David from room two? David, you may have to unmute yourself.
3: Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, two two of us in our group had been there uh, with uh, the February birthday parties. We've done that with CUC has done that for many years. And uh, Larry and I have been there and we were just talking about the fun we had playing bingo with the kids and having ice cream and uh, sitting with them and just talking to them. And uh, it's always been a really neat experience to do that. The kids are just really fun to talk with. And also, too, we helped them uh, start a library up there. And we got a lot of the books that we donated. They came from the uh, uh, garage sale that the church has every year. And we took a couple computers up. But uh, it's been a really satisfying experience to be there and uh, see the kids. Uh, There's one question I had, though, too, and that is, What are the typical steps that occur between a child having to leave their home and arriving at Murphy Harps? I don't know what they are. I was curious to know.
1: Yeah, usually... um... A phone call is made to DFAX, you know, or a, a police gets a call get a situation with a child. Um, and and that once that happens, investigation takes place in terms of what's going on with the child in the, wherever they are placed. And um, and when the child and the child is then brought into custody. Uh, of the state and as a a, you know in custody the state then the state is looking for where where do we place this child because the place where the child was was unsafe um and um and so There's all this spectrum of things that kids have gone through and the kind of place that they need. I mean, ultimately, we want to get them back in a home of origin if that's a safe and loving place to be. If we can provide, we want to keep them there. But in a lot of cases, we can't. And so we're looking for a next of kin or we're looking for a foster family. But a child like many of the ones that we're we're serving, um, they need more care, they, they need to heal. So um, the state's looking for a place to put these children. And um, there are not many places, probably only three, two or three in, in the state that are doing the kind of work we do on our campus with uh, some of the more traumatized youth. Um, but that that's a process. It, it's kind of a lot of, lot of nuts and bolts to it. But uh, it goes through the the state's process of, of investigation and then trying to figure out where's a placement. And the reality is we've got more kids entering into state custody than we have available room in the end, so to speak, places to put them. And so what's happening is oftentimes you'll get a child going into a foster family home, you know, like Jason, well, that's not going to work well, right? You're going to lose a foster family in a hurry. And, and so, um, and then you've got police officers and defects workers in hotels waiting to try to find a place. And uh, so it is a state of emergency that you don't hear about a lot. Um, But but we're going to be focusing a lot more attention in the coming years um, on our preventative piece, working in local communities around North Georgia, with churches partnering to uh, build out sort of training and teaching uh, therapy in local communities. And so, um, Murphy Harps is going to be looking for church partners to kind of help see if we can't mitigate, put, put resources and funding on the front end um, early in order to prevent kids going into custody. Um, so that's going to be a focus of the state um, and Murphy Harps here coming, moving forward. But good question.
0: Yesterday's uh, serving side-by-side prayer, we're doing 30 groups, 30 days in a row. Yesterday's was uh, Murphy Harps. And so um Hopefully, a group well beyond this group got that uh, prayer reminder for yesterday. Uh, I'm going to jump to room four here. John Ross or Stan, what 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 did you guys
3: discuss? Um, actually, I ended up being the only active participant in the. In the <laughs> oh no. Itself. So uh, I came back to the main session, uh, but, but I think this is a fantastic program, just doing great work. I, I've worked with youth all my life, and it's it's always very rewarding, but boy, you guys face a that I never faced. Uh, good job.
2: Thank, thank you. you, John.
3: Uh, well, Chris, let me turn
0: this over to you for a few minutes and update us on on missions. Uh, thank you for uh, being here. Um, you spoke uh, last year, the year before, and Mary had said you would be a... Uh, Able to give us a little bit of an update on what's going on side by side.
2: Yeah, um, I can. Uh, so my name is Chris Liner. I know many of you. I am currently the the lead. I, I'll say chairman uh, of the global mission team and serving uh, committee. Uh, but but you guys do all the hard work, and uh, we just try to present opportunities. So first first, let me thank Scott. I mean. Uh, our serving side by side celebration is is actually to do exactly what we did this morning and that is okay, to bye-bye. make everyone aware of um some of our great partners uh in the community we we have a number and and they don't always get attention uh and love like they should um and and Murphy Harpst uh has been a partner for as long as I've been at the church which has been close to 35 years um, our Sunday school went up there in the 80s and repaired some fences for the horses. And 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 if you haven't been there, you should visit because it's the most calming, serene, loving place that uh, that, that kind of I've been to. And and Scott could talk to you for a long time about the spectrum of abuse that these kids go through. Uh, it's heart wrenching uh, what happens to some of them, and all and almost uh, inconceivable to to most of us and and we're you you would be shocked by the things that these children come out of uh and murphy arts has uh you know medical professionals and psychos psychiatric and psychologist professionals that that help them at a very deep level and and um i hope scott gets a chance to talk more and more depth later so um what Marion wanted me to tell you is um beginning next week. Well, for the month of, for the month of March, uh, we are saying a prayer a day for each of our mission partners. Uh, and if you want to, if you don't get those, I encourage you to just send a quick note to missions at rumc.com, which you should be able to see on your screen. Uh, and um, just say, please add me to the serving side-by-side prayer list. It's one a day and it's written by you guys. Uh, it's written by our, our uh, parishioners um, that have a heart for, for certain, uh, mission partners. And, um, and secondly, if you want to know about the entire celebration and the schedule, uh, RUMC.com serve, will give you uh, a sense for what's coming next week. We'll be featuring mission partners in videos, uh, days in the life or weeks in the life. Um, we'll be highlighting many of the things that you guys probably already participate in, in one way or another. Uh, everything from food pantry to tutoring Murphy harps to uh, the other thirty or forty organizations that we support through the church and I, I want to thank you guys for your participation because we are the church and and we provide the love and the services and the and the funding and the, the support that, uh, that these organizations need. And we do it because number one, we're told to do it. It's the right thing to do. And, and um, it's just what we do. And I thank you for your hearts and your, your gracious. So um, that's really the highlights for serving side-by-side. If you haven't been, this year's going to be a little different. It, it's exclusively going to be virtual. Uh, that's a little painful for us because we love getting together and, and actually being able to, to, to hug and talk to in person, our mission partners, but uh, this year we're going to, you know, try to try to stay safe for another, another couple months, and hopefully next year we'll be back to a, a normal cadence, so that's kind of my update. Uh, Eric, did, uh, did you, or if we're, do you, just let me know if you want me to close in prayer.
0: Well, Chris, thank you so much for uh, updating us on that and t- giving us something to look forward to, especially next week. Um, we, uh, Kevin uh, Bear will be our, um, I think I'm pronouncing his last name right, will be our speaker next month. And then I'm working on a panel of youth for May. I'd like you to see where our youth end up and they'll be at different ages and stages. So i am be not surprised by how hard it is to get uh, people under the age of 25 to sign up, to show up um, at 6.30 or 6.45 in the morning to speak. But um, I, uh, I believe it will be a good outcome for May. Um, Scott, I'd like to turn it back over to you to pray us out if you would. Okay. Well, thank great. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for the invitation. And I look forward to another breakfast <laughs> with you men, hopefully face to face or in person one day. Uh, would love that. And, um, I look forward to, uh, to working with y'all in the coming year. Uh, thanks for, for having me today. Let's pray. Uh, our God and father, uh, in heaven. Um, thank you. Thank you for fathering us in love uh, through uh, the work of your son, uh, for making us your children and giving us the privilege of of knowing you uh, and enjoying you together uh, with uh, other men. Um, I pray, Father, that you would uh, bless uh, these men, my brothers, and that you would uh, sanctify and strengthen them as they serve uh, you uh, and their community. Um, thank you for the children of Murphy Harps. Lord, we pray uh, for them today. Uh, we ask for your hand to, to heal uh, and to save. Um, we ask, Lord, for strength for um, those who work side by side every day uh, with uh, these children and taking on their pain and concerns. We pray that you would uh, strengthen the staff, uh, bless uh, the work of mission uh, through uh, Roswell United Methodist. We ask that you would cause them as a congregation to flourish in faith for the glory of your name. We ask it in Christ's
2: name. Amen. Well, one last comment, Eric. If yes, you don't sir. mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak on your behalf. Uh, one of our featured speakers is going to be Eric's daughter, Mary. Um, she is going to enter the mission field and is planning for that now, and you're going to get to meet her and, uh, see what an amazing young woman that, uh, uh the, the, the Stevens have raised and, uh, you're going to be really impressed. So look forward to that.
0: Well, she was working on her, uh, message, uh, while she was staying with us this last weekend, uh, she wouldn't tell me what it was, but I could tell she's <laughs> looking forward to it. That's right. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Great to see you yeah. and look forward to seeing you when we next are in the same space. Thank you all. Have a great day. Have a great week, everybody.